It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Antonio Conte, who is now in at Tottenham, back in English football today. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. You can follow me at Aestetka. You can follow us at Tottenham Depot. Tottenham Hotspur, back in the Champions League. We've got vibes all day to talk about it. Uh, let's go out to Caroline. She is at CG Stefko. Caroline, how are you feeling after this glorious, glorious day? Feeling excellent. Um, months ago when Conte first came in, I didn't even think it was possible for us to finish top four. So, I mean, the transformation that the team has undergone is just incredible. I'm so happy for son getting the golden boot and it was just a great final day of the season. And we got to enjoy, you know, watching Arsenal win their game, but have it be totally meaningless. So that was also fun. It was it was quite, quite sweet to uh, to endure that. Uh, I, I really did enjoy it. Uh, the Todd father. Todd is at TC underscore Kashow. He is also with us. TC, what's going on, man? Any day, any day you get Champions League football is a good day. I just want to point out the fact that I have three children and two of them have never seen us finish below the scum. Fuck those clowns. Today is an amazing day. Yeah, I just I had to double check that it has been since the 2015-2016 season. The last time that Arsenal finished above Spurs, and it was by one point. And Spurs still got Champions League. My son third, was playing so. FIFA this morning, Andrew. My son was playing FIFA this morning, and he loves, he wants to be a keeper. He loves playing with Hugo. That's his guy. And he, I told him that we were playing Arsenal, or that, that we finished above Arsenal. And he goes, Dad, when was the last time that didn't happen? When was the last time I didn't have? Well, you could tell him 2015, 16, but obviously. Yeah, I'm not going to point out the fact that we ended up third in a two horse race. I'm not going to say that to my five year old. What I'm going to say is, I'm sorry, son, I don't remember. And just leave it at that and keep it moving. Well, the good thing is we're not talking about the past. We're talking about uh, Arsenal (laughs) finishing fifth in a four horse race. And that was this season. So good for them. Congrats to them. Uh, Guys, we've also got a long way to return on the pod today. Uh, My man Dakota is back and better than ever. He is at Dakota J. Booth, and he is with us. Dak, what's going on, man? Well, uh, you guys know I like my stats, and I like specificity. So it has been 2,198 days since we finished below that lot across town. And today is a beautiful summer's day. The breeze is stupendous. (laughs) And we are soaking it in here at the Tottenham Depot. We are. We are doing all of those things. Uh... Dakota, it is nice to have you back after a little bit of an absence. I know you life has been busy for you, but uh, the, the the pictures that you paint with your words, my friend, uh, just absolutely glorious. And it was glorious. A glorious, glorious morning for everyone involved. Tottenham Hotspur 5, Norwich City nil. Uh, let's 
go back a, uh, just for a second before we talk about this game because the last time we spoke to you all, we didn't really know what today was going to endure, but uh, and what was going to be needed from Spurs in order to to get into the Champions League and finish fourth. Um, we knew it would be between them and Arsenal, no matter what, based on everything else that had happened last weekend between obviously winning the North London Derby and then Spurs going and beating Burnley on the Sunday. But Arsenal had to go and play Newcastle last Monday and we potted on Sunday and they spit the bit in that game. And that made the rest of the week a whole hell of a lot of fun to be a Spurs fan, knowing that you only had to come in on this glorious championship Sunday and only needed a point. You just needed one point from already relegated and dead fucking last place Norwich. And, you know, let's be honest, Todd, that would have made a lot of people a little nervous. I think it made even us to an extent somewhat nervous, but we were all very confident that Spurs could go get the job done. But tell me about your week watching Arsenal lose to Newcastle and then knowing that this was this was it. It, it all came down to Spurs. It was all in Spurs hand coming into this match. So... <laughs> depending on how long you've been a Spurs fan that may make you really excited or may make you you know crap your khakis but um in this particular instance after watching the way that we stole their soul at White Hart Lane and then <laughs> sent them up north to get smacked in the mouth just like I thought that they might if you remember on last week's episode, I said, this is the only game that I cared about for us in terms of games that were outside of our control was that one at Newcastle. Because if that happened, all of the other dominoes didn't matter. All at all boiled down to Spurs taking care of Spurs' business. And realistically, if you're a Spurs fan of a lot of years, that could make you crap yourself, as I mentioned. However, a Conte Spurs fan knows that a Conte team with a full week of preparation and a full week of rest is going to slap the ever-loving dog shit out of the last place team in the league. And that's exactly what happened. It happened in a variety of different ways. And it happened despite Tim Krul standing on his very well-coiffed head, as he often does against Tottenham. But it happened nonetheless. We smacked him in the mouth. That lot down the road beat the brakes off of Everton and nobody gave a shit. Which is obviously important because the results last week made it so we didn't have to give a shit. Um, Caroline, coming into this game, it's like, for me, I was just like, please just get an early goal or two because I know that Norwich is not going to score three against us. And that's kind of exactly what happened. And Rodrigo Bensicore played a big factor. He assisted on both the first two goals for Spurs. Uh, Dejan Kulisewski in the 16th minute. And then Harry Kane with that header in the 32nd minute did at that point were we already, it was like, we're good. And, and, and it felt like a celebration from pretty much from halftime on. Right. Yeah. Right. The, the result was not in doubt past that second goal. I mean, even past the first goal, honestly, um, because Norwich are not exactly mentality monsters. <laughs> um, usually it only takes, you know, one goal concession and they fold like a bad souffle. So yeah, I had no I had no concerns that, you know, our top four place was in jeopardy. At that point, it was just all about can we get the ball to Sun? Can he get his, you know, at least one, maybe two goals needed to win the golden boot? Um, but I Bentinker was fabulous in that first half. Um, I think that might have been one of the best performances we've seen from him since he joined the team. 
and he doubled his assist tally for the season in just this one game. So that was cool. Um, and we also saw, you know, in this game that the two January transfers together have made such a huge impact on the team since they came in. Um, it was, they were really running the show today, uh, the two of them until Decky was subbed out. So fabulous performance from them. And it was, it was nice to not have, you know, a lot of stress in this fixture um, besides the question of the golden boot, because obviously we could not have counted on Everton to do anything. So thank God that wasn't a factor. <laughs> yeah. Everton, of course, part, part of the rest of the week was Everton secured, you know, being uh, staying up on Thursday with their win. Um, so that, that made the, the, the rest of the week kind of play out the, the way it played out. It made it that much more important. Um, Dakota, you know, Caroline brought up the, the golden boot thing. I mean, how let's take a minute and just, just talk about Kim and son. The first Asian to win the golden boot in the premier league um, ends up level on goals with Mo Salah. It's so funny. We were we late in that match. We were like, Sonny took the lead for a brief moment and we were all watching kind of the Liverpool Manchester city title race play out and hoping that, that Mo Salah wouldn't get a goal to level Sonny so that Sonny could have it all to himself. He did of course get that goal about four seconds after I brought it up um, in our group I blame chat. You entirely. Yeah. It's of course my fault. Cause uh, everything I say and do has, has an impact on the, on the pitch obviously, but Dakota Sonny, what, what, what else can you say, man? Uh, it's getting to the point where there's not enough or the right words to describe Hyungman's son. Hyungman's son is Hyungman's son. That's I mean that's the only way really to describe it is he's arguably the most consistent player that we have on the roster. You know exactly what he's going to do when he steps on the pitch, and that is score goals. It was even brought up earlier in the season. Everybody was talking about how he was having an an off time and he was in a slump and he was our leading goal scorer so if if uh our if a player is in a slump and he's still our leading goal scorer i think that says a lot about not just him but the team as well i think it was pretty obvious after we got those two goals what the plan was for the team that was on the field and that was get sunny the ball so he can score goals um after that second <laughs> we even goal, saw that from kulisevsky at one point yeah yeah, after that second goal, it's funny. You saw Harry Kane start dropping deeper than he was before those two goals to get the ball to, to ping up to Sonny. And I think the celebrations for when he scored the second goal to take the lead and then eventually you know, hold on to it to share the golden boot says everything that we need to know about what the players in the organization think about their peer in Hyungman Hume, Sun. They lifted him up, and I'm pretty sure they would have carried him off the field if, if he would have let them. But he's just a top-class everything, top-class person, top-class teammate, top-class striker, top-class winger. You know, there's not not enough superlatives to give to Hyungman's son, and I'm really glad that he's wearing our shirt, and I'm really glad that he's going to until the day he decides he's not going to stop, until uh, the, the, the day he decides he's going to stop playing football. Really cool too to see the praise that that even Harry Kane had for him after the game as a guy who's won the Golden Boot, um, and as a guy who you know it's funny you mentioned the fact that some people thought that 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 Sonny was was struggling mid season and and he was still the team's leading scorer. That's what Somebody. we used to say about Harry Kane. I mean that's what we used to 
that's what we used to the kind of discussion we ha- used to have about that guy. Um, and by the way, Harry Kane, Todd had a hell of a season goal scoring as well, even after 17 goals, the, the, the start that he had. Yeah. 17 goals in the league. Go back and check the tape. That's exactly what I called after the, the two, the, the, I think it was, he had like a four game drought where he didn't score. And you're yeah. like, how are you feeling? And I was like, eh, 17. It's not 20 and that sucks, but I'll take it. Uh, what I will also say is that Harry Kane will continually do Harry Kane things. It's just a matter of giving him the opportunity to do so. Well, you take you take three of Sonny's and give them to Kane, and they're both on twenty. Um, but but Sonny stole three of them from from Kane, so and that's what got him up into the to the Golden Boot conversation. <laughs> but Listen, um, I, I straight look at it like this: the goal that Son scored from the greatest assist of Premier League history off of Kane's like the skinny skin skin of his forehead. We'll it's something that will live in Tottenham more forever. We'll watch that. We will show our grandchildren that. Dak. Yeah, I mean it's it's such a pleasure to have both of these guys represent our club and to be on on the field at the same time. It's like you know I I don't know it, the next level of a Jordan and Pippen scenario because they're both Jordan. You know they're they're both. They're both doing things that every club in the world wants the play, their players to do on the pitch, and we've got two of them. And I think next season's the the time that we start taking advantage of that and giving them things to to put in their their own cabinets to uh, to say we as a team we led our team to great things. And it's funny that you joke, Todd, about um, Son, you know, taking a few goals from Harry. Like they wouldn't see it that way. You know, they're both just complete team players and you can tell every time they're on the pitch that they're rooting for each other, helping each other. Um, So it's not a coincidence that so many of their, uh, the goals that Sun scored this season were from Kane assist. And, you know, I mean, they hold the record for goal combinations. That was an Andrew joke, not a me joke. Let's keep it. Yeah. Let's let, let's keep it. Oh, was me. that Andrew? My bad. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was definitely me. Let's let's look at it this way. Though, ben. <laughs> 40, 40 goals between the two of them. Uh, sixty nine total goals. Nice for for Spurs nice in in the league. The forty of the sixty nine from from those two guys, obviously just integral parts of of everything that that goes on at Spurs, and you know that's. Obviously, when with the addition of Kulisewski in January, really at the beginning of February, you know, he provided more as, as that third member of that triumvirate up top. And that's kind of what, you know, look, we're going to make a lot. We're, we're, we're going to be able to go back over the next few weeks and look, look back at the way that this season played out. And it was a very, very strange, strange season from the way that it started with three straight wins and a manager who then fell off the face of the planet to the way that the, you know, the current manager came in and started to change things to the way that these two players that came in in January. And really you can kind of consider it three because Christian Romero returning from injury um, around that same time also completely transformed this club, the way that all of those things played out and the way that this team took off from about February on, um, you know, they were seven points back after losing to Burnley following the victory over city um, and won 10 of 14 to close the season and run down Arsenal and the rest of that lot, uh, you know, United was above them. West Ham was above them. 
all those teams left in the dust. Um, it's kind of remarkable to look at it that way and the way that it played out. But these final few months were really, really where it kicked in, not only from an offensive standpoint, but but from a defensive standpoint as well. Because, like I said, Romero's addition. And let's let's once again shout out the fact that I, I know we did this last week, but Romero goes down before the North London Derby and a guy like Davison Sanchez steps in and plays so well in that back three. I have to have to continue to praise the way that he played and, and not just Romero and Sanchez on that right side, but the, the season Eric Dyer had the season Ben Davis had this okay. team needed five goals in its in its final 11 games. This was a really, really good, good defensive club down the stretch. It was outstanding, but easy with the Davinson Sanchez love. I, I just, I, I want to say we need to temper it because he got to play against 10 men Woolwich for an hour and then he yep. got Burnley and he got to go to Carroll road and um, we two two of those teams, by the way, he won't have to face next season in the premier league because they're going down. So I, I mean, call it what it is. But we are thankful for the admirable job that Davidson Sanchez did in the cameo, which he was pressed into. We are thankful for that and um, enjoy your next club. So sounds to I, me like his great windows, window shop performances is what I'm I hearing. Absolutely agree with you, Dakota. I think that that is a fantastic piece of speculation that we will come on to maybe on a future pod. Um, Cause I know how much Andrew loves transfer talk. Uh, no transfer talk today. <laughs> no today. transfer talk today. But we don't We're have room for transfer talk today. We are celebrating because Tottenham are going to play Champions League football at number 17 next year. Oh my days. Um, I think somebody on Twitter said uh it's going holy poop. Next year is going to be absolutely orgasmic, is what the exact quote was, which uh Reverend Colders really appreciate. Uh my boy. I agree. Well, let's let's talk about that for a second because I think that's a, a nice like jumping off point to some some more macro conversations. I mean, we can continue to get micro on the way that all of this went down, but we watched We're it gone. go down and, and and we and we enjoyed it. But the from the macro sense, they 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 showed Daniel Levy at one point today at Carrow Road, um, with a, with a really big what smile on his face. I think this guy what knows guy. what's about to to happen, and we've seen some quotes in the hours after the game. It's, it's a few hours after the game now. We we took some time on a Sunday to enjoy ourselves before jumping on the mics here. Um, I think that he really knows what's about to happen. And a lot of the quotes and reporting from, from folks like Alistair gold say that this is going to be a fun summer for Spurs fans to, to, to splash a little cash and spend a little bit and really back Antonio Conte heading into a season with not only champions League football, but all the revenue that comes from that and all the revenue that comes from those fun Tuesday and Wednesday nights uh, at white Hart lane filling that massive billions and billions of pounds <laughs> stadium. Um, this is going to be fun, right? Dakota, like I, I think some fun things are on the without, without, without talking specifically about transfers. I think we got a fun <laughs> summer ahead, right? Dude, no, this is this summer is going to be the culmination of everything that I have taken so much crap for over the last two or three years of trying to defend Daniel Levy. Because th th this summer is what I have been seeing for the last last two or three years. And it would have happened last summer if uh, COVID wasn't around and or Jose Mourinho wasn't Jose Mourinho. So uh, I am so looking forward to this summer because it's we're going to flex our muscle. 
we're going to put ourselves in the conversation with all of the, when you think top club, our name is about to be one of the, those handful that are mentioned because we're going to flex this muscle that we've been building. Daniel Levy has been building over the last 20 years to put us in a position and we've done it without oil money. We've done it without country money. We've done it in a purely strategical business model type of way, which is going to be sustainable regardless of who's in charge. And that makes me very happy. And I cannot wait to look back at the end of the summer at everything that's happened transfers and otherwise that it, that propels us into that next stratosphere where we belong. I really like that. I, I absolutely think that this is the, I a hundred percent agree. I think that this is the summer that we've been waiting that COVID robbed us of two years ago. Yeah. To be fair. Um, I, I think that this is the one, a full year of revenue. Mm hmm a full year of revenue plus NFL games, plus the AJ fight, plus all the concerts. We own the whole thing. We own the whole, it's on the tickets. We own the whole thing. And, and if, if we got the naming rights is coming this summer too. It's no, and that's, that's a big piece of speculation. And I don't think that it's the time or the place, but I don't necessarily disagree with you. The other thing that I will say though, is that D it, Dakota it, looks not, like it's not speculation, by the way, Dakota looks like yeah, he knows something. No, it's hit me. It's what happening. do you know? It's what do you ITK Dak? Nah, I, I don't know. I don't know who, but it's, it, it's getting there. It, yeah. I sorry. I, I, sorry. I saw the look on his face and I needed to call that out. <laughs> I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. What I will say is that I fully expect us to have a net spend of 150 million uh, comings and goings included uh, this summer. And I think that that's exactly what Daniel Levy wants to hand to a Ferrari of a manager like Antonio Conte, who has this team absolutely humming right now. It is, it is super exciting to think about and to, to dream about uh, the, the specifics of, of, players and and breaking down the seasons that they have in the future with the club we're going to do that on a on a pod probably next week or the week after um because we're not going anywhere we're you know we still want to continue to talk spurs with you through the offseason and it's going to be a it's also going to be a weird offseason because you know things are going to ramp up here within the next five to six weeks and talking about preseason matches pretty quickly because the season starts so early because there's a, a gd world cup in the middle of the season so all that stuff is Amen is going to is going to ramp up pretty soon here. Um we know that the Spurs have a, a preseason match confirmed in Ju I think it's late July um against Rangers, but other than that, you know, I'm sure that that more will come out. Um I know they're going on tour in South Korea. So this this shit's going to happen all of it's going to happen pretty quick, but 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 in the meantime, we're going to kind of dwell on everything that we we love and saw today. Did do we mm -hmm. want to focus any more about, you know, the goals we saw today like yes. for example like the, the the two goals that, that stood out to me were were Kulisevsky's second and Sun's second. Those big benders that were just uh -huh. gorgeous. I mean, holy crap! Like, what do we what to make of those? And and honestly, the, the 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 Kane header was great as well. Everything about today was just like it was a big sigh of relief for me. And seeing those goals and just seeing the team run around and have fun. I don't know, Caroline. Was that just like a big a big exhale from everyone? Right. I, I feel like I kind of asked you this earlier, but like. I just can't emphasize what a what a relief it was to see all of that go down the way it did. 
Yeah, it was a really a relief, but it also felt kind of like a party happening on the pitch. <laughs> uh, with the goals just kept coming, and it was almost like witnessing a sort of greatest hits of the team. Um, mm. You know, we saw lots of different kinds of goals. Uh, we saw some absolute worldies, like you said, from Kulisevsky and Son. Uh, it it was so thrilling that Son scored that kind of goal um, to clinch the Golden Boot. Uh, which we knew he can do, but I, I also want to give a little shout out to someone that we have somewhat maligned in the last few weeks, uh -oh. which would be Lucas. Yes. <laughs> because his, his touch to assist son on his first goal was just brilliant. Okay. And I mean, we know, we know he's capable of that kind of thing. It's always been just the consistency. Um, but I do think he deserves some credit for it today um, since we've been a little tough on him lately. And it might, it, that might've been his last game in a Spurs shirt, you know, hey. so good way to go out. If and, it is. It's such a great show. Andrew I got to hop. Andrew's wincing at us. giving. I'm just biting my tongue. tongue. That's no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you piped down over there, sir. I'm about to, I'm about to give you some love. Give me just no, I know a good, great, great job by Lucas. And, and you know, yes. so, he came in, he came in in the right spot today. I agree. So I have to tell you, I was hanging out at the Harp with San Diego Spurs this this uh, wonderful Sunday morning. It was incredible. Out. Huge turnout. A big shout out. Great time. Hanging out <laughs> hanging out in near proximity to our guy, Ryan, our Benzo on Twitter for those who follow. And uh, that Lucas touch to Sun for that goal, Ryan turned to me. <laughs> <laughs> and goes, you see what he did with his beautiful bald head? He doesn't need hair. You see what he did? It was incredible for the Foggly Challenge out there. <laughs> our man, our Benzo's got you covered. And Lucas absolutely did y'all proud today. That was such a gorgeous touch. Look, so look, as a fellow bald, I can appreciate it, but... <laughs> It, it was. It, it, I'm glad that Antonio Conte picked the right spot for for the for the ball to come on, uh, because that's it, exactly the role I want him to come you, on. Is when you mean after lead. Kulusevski scores a freaking Gareth Bale style banger? Yeah, yes. absolutely. After we've and got a lead and he can run around and fuck shit up, that was that was great Lucas for shit. him. Do Lucas shit for his exactly. that for his his 13th goal contribution in his 17 games that he's played for us. By the way, Kulusevski, unreal. Yeah. Unreal production from that right hand side. What is it? Is it four and nine? Uh, five and eight. Five, five and eight. eight. Wow. Five yeah, goals. I, five goals. Eight assists. Wow. And look, when you're when you're gonna play a team like Norwich, you're gonna have to. It's gonna have to come from everywhere because it, it you can't focus on one thing because they're all just gonna sit back there. I mean, Spurs really did kind of pin them back today, um, as was to be expected, obviously. But you know, sixty percent of the possession. Uh, didn't even reach three expected goals, but scored five. Pretty, pretty damn good. I think. I think the Love the second Kulusevsky goal and the second Sun goal have something to do with that because those were probably not very high on the XG, uh, but they still went in. Um, and that's the kind of fun you can have when you're when you're firing away like that. Um, so yeah, Tottenham finished two points. It's funny when you look at 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 the at the table, you know. It, we try to paint this picture throughout the season of what the table is going to look like. But when you finally sit and look at a, at a completed premier league table with all, all matches played, it's, it's amazing to look back at how your team impacted the table. And I, this is one, one point I wanted to, to kind of touch on today, because obviously we finished two points clear of Arsenal for fourth. Don't really need to talk about, you know, 
any of that shit, but I'm looking above us. The fact that we were three points behind Chelsea for third and Dakota, this is something uh, that you had harped we on so for a while. Close. You really, you really thought we were we catching were so Chelsea close. for third. And you said, I credit to you. You said this like two months ago, we're catching Chelsea for third Spurs got nothing off Chelsea all season and still only finished three points behind them. Um, and and then and, and that's 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 to their credit. And then when you think about the title race and the way that that shit went down, you know, Spurs take everything they can off of City and they take two points uh, from you know in the two mat to get the two draws with Liverpool. I mean, that title race that went down, by the way, to the final 10, 15 minutes for those who were you know caring enough to pay attention to to the way that that thing went down. Spurs really impacted like all this shit up and down the board with the way that they performed against certain teams. It's it, it really is kind of incredible. Um, and then you think, think too about like Burnley couldn't even save itself despite beating Spurs once, you know, they, that's something by the way that, that I think we need to talk about, um, by Burnley. Like, can we all, can we all just like Mm. cheers to that? Well, okay. So I've been the biggest fuck Burnley proponent Yes. On this entire podcast, <laughs> going to turf more in February is awful. No one should ever do it. However, we'll have to was, next year. There was a uh, actually a, a Spurs season ticket holder and a listener of Pod. His name Stacy. He was at the heart, and you know came up, let me know that he listened. And he said, "Hey, you know, he he's actually been to Burnley, and he's been to Leeds, and he said, you know, the, the Burnley it's actually a pretty nice trip. The folks are pretty nice. The fare is pretty decent." He says. He says Leeds is the dirtiest, filthiest, scummiest place you don't ever want to go. And he said, so, you know, you take it easy on poor Burnley there. I, I believe that's <laughs> what I'm Shuban not, would tell you, too, if he was on with us right now. I'm not oh, yeah. going to change my tune because fuck going to turf more in February. What I said to the man in the moment, and I will tell it to you on this pod, is I said, well, I can certainly appreciate that as someone who's been there. But what I will say is that the Premier League – deserves proper villains and leads are proper, proper villains. Mm. And I'm glad that we'll get to beat them twice next year. And I also think that, yeah, that too. (laughs) But I'll say personally, I would rather go face leads than Burnley any day because leads are way more prone to clownery. So. (laughs) And they'll play. They'll also play. Yeah, well, hold on, hold on, though, hold on, though, Todd. Let's not start sounding like Jurgen Klopp and 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 praising Leeds for playing <laughs> rather than Burnley. Like I don't, I don't need us to go down that road because guess no, what? No, but I also don't need to go to Turf Moor in February and have to break down eleven men behind the ball Andrew. because it's because it's really fucking hard. And I hear you. I, I especially totally with agree. no attacking midfielder. But you know, the thing with Klopp's comments that was so infuriating is that it it was not reality. Like it did not say anything about how we mm-hmm. actually play if you watch our well games, the, so. yeah the yeah. super funny the super funny thing about that just very quickly is uh the amount of possession that he said i can't play with is the amount of possession that they had against us in the champions league final so hey um, whatever really quickly i'm gonna go uh, just back to what we were talking about this is not relevant please. to anything we're no, talking please about please right take now us wherever but but Caroline talked about this being a party on the pitch and leading up to this match, there was a very interesting question from Alistair gold to Antonio Conte asking him if he have had ever heard or understood what the phrase Spursy meant. 
and why if he understood why fans oh God, would be I, nervous about this game. I missed this. I missed this entirely. Please inform me. And Antonio Conte said, yeah, I'm aware of it. And we are, I'm doing my best to fix it. Because when we step on the pitch, we need to be killers. And you can't have a killer mentality if you think this way. So it is not in my mentality. And I am doing everything I can to make sure that that doesn't get to the players so they can be killers too. That, and we that saw it today. Me. That excites mm. me so it excites me so much, Dakota. And you know something? Not only did we see it, we and 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 you know, you're filling me in on that quote from from Conte. We heard it from the players after the game because players like Young Min's yep. son were well, asked about what this team can do, what this team can be under Antonio Conte going forward. And he talked about how much how much room they have to improve. How this is they are not at their apex right now. They are not at their yep. pinnacle under Antonio Conte. There is much more to be done. And that's the kind of shit that has to excite you as a Spurs fan going into yep. the 2022-2023 season. Because not only do they have the revenue coming in from a full stadium, the revenue coming in from Champions League, um, and you know, just this ambition and this drive, but they have this this guy, this Antonio Conte, who Look, I, I've had my questions about him. I've had my my skepticism about since he came on. And let's be honest, he's given some of us reason to be a little weary with some of the way, ways he spoke. But in the last few weeks, he has really shown that he is not any of the other previous managers that tried to run this club since Mauricio Pochettino. Yep. He is different, and he is changing this team's mental makeup as well as its makeup on the pitch. And that mm-hmm. whole idea of Spursy... Todd, I really do think like it's going out the window. Uh, It just went down the road a little bit today. It just went down the road a little bit. That's all. (laughs) Down the road a little bit. Just saying. saying. They fucking bottled it. They had a seven point lead. If you want to look for the bottle, you don't got to go very far. That's all I'm saying. Those motherfuckers Um, bottled the shit out of it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's one of the it's 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 a, a body they are who we thought point. they were <laughs> and we let them off the hook i'm telling you man and, and <laughs> the fact that they bottled the north london derby only to come back and get the shit kicked out of them only to then shit the bed only to then try to grandstand victory against everton who was already safe and didn't give a fuck it's just so scummy it just it was so five one and nobody cared and nobody I'm cared. Saying. You got it. And so <sighs> amazing, amazing day, Andrew. Beautiful goals all around. Even the the cane diving header made me happy. Yes. And so I, just it did. It did. A diving header from from a, a poaching striker always makes me happy. Um. Kane made it through the whole season without getting hurt. Hey, and he's yeah. lean too. Y'all seen those? No, and he, they, they look mean. They look not a coincidence. Look, not a coincidence. But I'm just saying, I wasn't going to say a single word, Andrew, until the last day of the year. <laughs> Kane made it through an entire Premier League season and didn't get hurt. Well, like, I didn't I think, get hurt enough to miss time. Sorry. I, so, so I think that's a, I think that's a really good micro observation, and I think there's a macro to be held with that as well. Because why is Kane so fit? Why is the whole team more fit? Because no nachos. Because, because they're motivated. Because no nachos. Because... 
<laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm gonna say something that Daddy I don't Ellie think is contra- I'm gonna say something that I don't think is controversial, but 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 it may be taken that way. I think it's because they had room to get fit after being under a manager like Jose Mourinho, and Ooh. and under a manager like Nuno, because mm. they were not fit under those two managers, and I think they had room to improve in their fitness. And Antonio Conte, it's taken a few months, but he's gotten them there. I mean, this is a team that goes out and they don't wear down at the end of games and not just physically, but mentally. I think I think I think they go hand in hand. But this is a team that we saw down the stretch. I brought up the number five goals conceded in their final 11 games. You're going to win a shit ton of games with that kind of defensive (laughs) record. You are. Yeah. And if they can continue to do that, look out. If they can continue to be fit both physically and mentally under this manager and the way that he trains them. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. I'm I'm. I'm already like, is it August yet? Let's go. I'm jacked. Yeah. And Ugo Lloris, yeah, seriously. who's probably our con- consistently our most ice cold player in general, had a very Mamba esque quote in his press conference after the after the game today, basically saying that Champions League doesn't mean anything because the job's not done. It's just getting started. And you know. Ugo always has that mentality. And I think it's finally he has a manager that's helping ooze it into the rest of the of the squad. Finally, he's got Sorry, Caroline, go very, ahead. <laughs> oh, I was just gonna say finally he's gotten rid of uh very loud, melancholy voices. When you remove mm. apathy from the locker room that people listen to like this type of infectious killer mentality, the type of mentality that makes you the um, current reigning defending World Cup holder, uh, Hugo Lloris. Which I just want to point out the fact that, and I'm going to take one more chance this season to uh, take a shot at the coverage uh, of, of our fair <laughs> sport, is that everybody loves to talk about who won, who's won a World Cup. And everybody loves to talk about who the national team captain is, except for Hugo. Nobody wants to talk about the fact that Hugo is France's captain and the fact that he is the one that has been their captain through all of these runs in the last two World Cups and the last two Euros. Hugo Lloris is a fucking man. And I'm telling you, we are going to spend the money to put the team around him in his last, in his swan song season with us to give that man the silverware he deserves. I really feel that. Yeah, I think you're right in saying that Hugo's are always had that mentality. Now we're getting it from the manager too. And then I think the third most important thing is that the fans have really been behind the team in the second half of the season. I think that actually makes more of a difference than we might think um, because they can feel it, especially in the home games. We can hear it in the away games. Um, It's incredible that we can be, you know, at a place like Norwich and I, I can't hear the Norwich fans at all. All I hear is the Spurs fans that traveled. Um, so I, I think that's got to be a big part of it, that the team is just feeling so unified right now. And it's great to hear that they know the job is not done just qualifying for Champions League. Like we have to push on from this moment. No, I think that's you're, a gr- you're, you're spot on about the away end, by the way. Go ahead, Todd. I think that's a great. Uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. The away end was incredible, as always. Um, I couldn't hear any of that because it was absolutely bonkers inside the heart today. Again, big shout out to the turnout there. Incredible stuff. Um, but what, um, what I wanted to talk about is I think that's a great segue The kind of like pushing on segue to kind of talk about what, um, expectations are around 
next season? Like, what does success look like? Before we go to that, I want to, because yes, that is where we're going. But you mentioned something a few minutes ago about certain players and their, you know, certain players that have left and, and, and them departing and that kind of lifting a weight off of the club. Um, I also think it's really important that the players that are, because there are certain players that are still within this locker room. The, the main one I'm talking about is quite obviously Harry Kane, who were really into to, to, to what Jose was doing. And he left. And then that we, weird last summer, it's, it's so weird to think about last summer because it feels like it was three years ago because we're all living in this pandemic world and what is time. But last summer was so fucking weird for this club because they couldn't hire a manager. They couldn't find a manager. They went through about 13 different iterations of we're going to hire this guy. No, we're going to hire this guy. They kind of wanted Antonio Conte. They, they went for Nuno Espirito Santo. That was obviously a period of time where, and, and I think there are players on the periphery here, but I really want to focus on Harry Kane where it seemed like he was departing and it took him a while to get back on board. Once Conte came on board though, that's what, that's what turned all these players like Kane and the ones that were still around back around. And, and then the ones that left the ones like Deli Ali, the ones like Musa Sissoko, the ones like Eric Lamella, like all of those guys got out the door. And then the players that were still around, the ones that bought into Conte are the ones that that's, you know, that's, that's where we are now. Like, like it's, it's because of that mentality well, switch and that, and that change of pace. Well, listen, when you manage any group of people and you come in and you do any sort of, uh, of organizational change, um, you're going to identify the players very, very quickly as to who represents what faction within the organization. You're going to know who the malcontents are. You're going to know who the true professionals are. You're going to know the people whose opinions are swayed in, in, in you're going to know the people that are kind of more mouthy and you, you're going to understand the way that these different things work. And Conte coming into a new situation as any manager of people has certain non-negotiables. And if you exhibit those non-negotiables, that's fine. You just need to go exhibit them for someone else. Uh, and very, very, very quickly, we re recognized who those people were that Antonio Conte couldn't wait to get fucking rid of. And as soon as that window opened, they were very uh, graciously and quickly Showing the fucking door. And so <laughs> I, I think that it's been an addition by subtraction type of roster turnover. And I'm really excited to see what Conte and Paratici do to rebuild this roster in the mold of mentality of players that they want. And I will say that um, Dak has a uh, prophetic kit uh, <laughs> distributor because uh, Champions League patches early. I love it, buddy. That's good stuff. You know, I just was thinking about the fact that we, we had Mourinho who wanted to build up those, you know, handful of players that he thought were the most important part of the team, uh, kind of at the expense of the rest of the team. Uh, you know, maybe there was a little too much focus on them. So we got to the point where you know, Kane and Son were carrying the team and we weren't getting enough out of the rest of the squad. And then we had Nuno, which was a disaster overall. 
Um, but largely nothing because nothing out of anyone in the squad. Well, and it's largely because he he <laughs> straight up reduced it to team A and team B, and it was like a war in the dressing room practically. Of course, we're not we're not in the dressing room, so we don't know this for a fact. But that's just the perception that <laughs> yeah. you get. And then we have Conte come in, and I think the thing that he seems to be doing is that even though he's identified the key players, everyone on the team knows that they still have to be performing um, to get into the team every week. And he doesn't just ignore the rest of the squad. You know, he's doing his best to develop everyone to their top level. So we've been seeing mm-hmm. improved performances from players like Ben Davis, um, even Sanchez, you know, he's, he's getting the most out of everybody because they're all um, he's showing that they all have a role to play basically. So that's, that just seems to be the progression we've been on, you know, from Mourinho all the way to Conte. It does feel like there's, there's been a difference between you brought up the Jose to Nuno. It felt like Nuno was almost trying to extend what Jose was doing with that that slight division. And it was the rudimentary on... version of it. It was really tough. hundred percent. But he didn't even pretend that the other players had a chance in hell of getting right. into the, the team. He kind of you know? he kind of extended the metaphor mm-hmm. on the A versus the A B team and and emphasizing certain players. Whereas Antonio Conte, I think, has made it clear that. He needs midfielders. He needs wingbacks. He needs the, the back three to play as well as it does. And he needs that front three to be to be producing goals. And when all of that works together, that's how you, you know, it sounds it sounds elementary, but that's how you get a team, you know, is when all of these guys are, are, are rowing, rowing on the boat, you know, the boat in the same direction um, and and pushing it forward. And, and that's certainly what he did. Um, that and the fact that Arsenal just fucking bottled it like it's yeah. <laughs> you know, like this, all of these things. Uh, all of these things contribute. Todd, you brought up looking ahead and look, we're going to have a lot of time to do that, but I do want to, before we get out of here for today, touch on that because I think expectations for next season have to be set fairly high. um, And we have to be really excited about the idea that this team is going to invest some in the summer and God help me. I'm going to get through it with you guys talking about (laughs) all the new players that are going to be linked to to Tottenham in the next few months. (laughs) Um, so many, but so many, so many, so many, and, and at so many different positions. And obviously, there will be contract extensions talked about for certain players as well. But Harry Kane, all <laughs> Harry Kane, all of those things are going to come about, obviously. But like, you know, Dakota, let's start with you. Expectations. Obviously, we all are going to say we we expect silverware. Uh, we're all going to say mm. those types of things. But like, on in the grand scheme of things, are we setting our ex- expectations as high as? challenging for the league are we setting them as high as just wanting a trophy what where where are we yeah so when we had this conversation at the end of last season that i'm going to be totally zen going into this this season that we just had and if we finish top half i will be happy that is not the case for this next season (laughs) we absolutely have to finish top four and it shouldn't be close. We should be comfortably in there. I think that's the expectation. Um, silverware is a, a tough, a tough one um, for me because of who our manager is. Um, I think a domestic cup is a lot more of a realistic desire than the continental one that we're going to be in. Um, I will say, which however, one is that again? You, by the way. Oh, the, the champion. champion. 
sense. Yeah, just making sure. I was I so I told you guys earlier, and I will tell everyone else listening right now. It is my firm belief that next season we will have more points than we've ever had at the end of a Premier League season. Whether or not that will be enough to win the league or knock one of those top two off of their throne, I don't know. But I do think that we will have we will gain more points next season than we ever have before. Hopefully, it's enough to win a league. I think with our manager, we need to start having those expectations, especially if he, you know, signs an extension of his own this summer. Um, so expectations, comfortable top four is the floor. And then outside of that, with this first season of really investing in the squad, um, I'll be happy with anything else. I'm not mistaken, the highest point total was the at least in recent in recent memory yeah was the 86 in 16 17 when they finished second to chelsea uh 86 this season chelsea by the way right 86 this season would have put them comfortably in third place behind the 93 and 92 point totals of city and liverpool well i mean listen this is so here's the thing is that both city and liverpool have two full first teams yeah and they can just rotate them in and these are premier league first teams if we make the type of investments that we're discussing on this podcast right now at at, at, a, at a at a very high level, Andrew, we're not getting into speculation. Nope, I no, go for it. I hear what you're saying because um, I was going to make the same point. If we, if we make that investment, that will put us in a position to essentially have the type of rotation necessary to compete in all of the competitions that we're competing in. Yet, focus on what Antonio Conte does, which is win the league. So. I absolutely agree that a domestic trophy next year is going to be our priority. And I, we might get more than one. Caroline, where are you at? I like the sound of more than one trophy. That's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I, I agree that with Conte, you know that his focus is definitely going to be more on the domestic side than the champions league side. Uh, you know, which I'm I'm perfectly fine with because, like Dakota said, our minimum should be getting top four. Champions League qualification shouldn't be an issue for next season. Um, but I think we have a real opportunity to do something in the league if we make the right transfers because we already have, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the fourth best defense this season, um, which is only going to get better, I would assume. Uh, because Conte was working with, you know, basically the players that he came in with, except Romero was our one. Well, and that was even before Conte came in. But you get my point. Um, and we didn't have Romero for a good chunk of the year. So that says a lot, too. So I, I think defense is going to be really just a big key next season because we know that our front three can produce goals. So I I I, I don't really like to make, like, firm predictions. <laughs> Because then you get, you know, all the people on Twitter dunking on the uh, Arsenal fans that were foolish enough to do that in public. So, or or like the idiots, <laughs> or like the idiots who, who told me after the Burnley loss back in February that top four was done. I know yeah. who you are. I called you all out today on the Bird app. Um, don't come for me. You harvested those potatoes today, Andrew. I, I harvested them. Yes, we're having we're having French fries tonight. Trust me. We're chopping yeah, I believe potatoes the, up. I, I believe the quote was something along the lines of 
Half of the players on the pitch today wouldn't even get on get in Burnley's team. Yeah. And that was I, from that was from the main spud. That from the main spud. The main spud the main had that one. <laughs> Said the team was terrible. Well, the terrible team's playing in the Champions League next year. I I I will take Ayo. that. Um okay. Caroline, you to your point, yes. F- fourth best in terms of goals allowed. Uh <laughs> four, 40 goals in 38 games. Not not bad. It can be better, but it, it, that's with obviously... Eric Dyer and Ben Davis. Yes, yes, that's what and we're Davidson Sanchez about for the majority of the year. And and Todd, to your point earlier, you know, yes, Liverpool and City have two first teams. If Spurs can get one and a half first teams, I think that gives them a really chance, really good chance to win a you know win a domestic cup, um, and frankly, to be able to compete in four different competitions and be really good in them and get top four. I don't think they need a full, you know two squads to yeah. do what they've been doing, especially under this manager and, you know, to, to be able to compete in, in the top four. I think that's a really, I just think that's really big. The only thing that's kind of making me worry is the unknown of having the world cup in the middle of the season. Oh, it's going to be yeah. that. I mean, we don't know for any team what's going to come out of that, how their players are going to return two. fitness wise. You just so said you're going to lose two players, Kaz. It's a little frightening, but hopefully we can weather it with squad depth as we have already discussed. Well, I think it's going to be, I think there's only really one way to describe what next season is going to be for many and hopefully Spurs can avoid much of it, but it's going to be a simple clusterfuck. Like it's going to be, it's going to be hold on to your butts type of territory. If I can, you know, quote Samuel L. Jackson in the movie. Squeaky bum time. It's going to be squeaky bum time and hold on to your butts. All all the, all the butt references. Um, it's, it's, it's going to be tough, but, but they're going to have to build out a team, you know, this summer and build out a squad, not just a team, but you know, they're going to have to get in there and really do some work. And look, there are going to be players that have to leave as well. Let's be honest. There's going to be, you know, go ahead, Todd. Well, I was just going to say, yes, there's going to have to be players that are, that are going to have to leave. But I think that, um, one of the things that you see them doing a lot especially in the second half of this year is bringing the youth, some of the youth players in to work with the first team and to learn that system and to train with Conte and to do all the things. So when you have a depleted squad, you know, or squads that are going to need some time to, to get back in, you've got fresh legs and and folks like, you know, Harvey White or Dane Scarlett that can come off of the bench and actually get some minutes and, and can maybe, you know, start in a premier league game or two if need be. So we'll see. I, I don't know. Yeah, clusterfuck is a great way to, to to point it out, though. Let's be fair. Watch out for Alfie Divine next season. Conte like kind of wants to take him under his wing and good like and a personal it, project. It, it, well, I will always remember the way that he two footed. Um, what's his name? Drinkwater from Chelsea. And so yeah, we're we're good to go. That guy. That guy's already got a spot in my heart. <laughs> spot in everybody's heart, uh, guys. This, Champions League, like Champions! just a. a, a a final kind of deep breath of relief and to know that, you know, just a, a few short weeks ago, we were all kind of feeling like, eh, this, this it's, it's nice that this team made it, made it close. Well, no, they didn't make it close. They fucking did it. They did it. They took, and look, they did, they need to rely on a bottle job. Yeah, they did. But guess what? A lot of other teams have benefited from bottle jobs too. And this time Tottenham Hotspur have, benefited from a bottle job and they've gone and taken the thing by the scruff of the neck and, and, and brought it home. So Spurs get to play champions league football next year because they earned it, not just because it was given to them. Um, Mm. And 
it was a lot of fun to, to watch this down the stretch and a lot of fun to talk about it with you guys uh, and, and everyone else who contributes to this podcast. This is not the end of the season, obviously. It's the end of the football season and the Premier League season, but not the end of our podcast for, for a while. We're, we're going to be coming back. We'll be back with you, um, you know, in the short term. We're going to come back next week and I think talk a lot about the players on this squad and kind of where we go from here with each of them, kind of look back over the season that they had and, and what we see for their future. If we see a future with Spurs, I can I can tell you there are a lot that I do not see a future with. Um, I, I think this team is still, despite the fact that it just accomplished something really, really massive, I think this team is still going through it, this long, quote-unquote, painful rebuild that Mauricio Pochettino mm. t- spoke about years ago. And I think that's what's so cool is that they're still accomplishing things like only having a two-year absence from the Champions League, getting back there next year, and still with room to improve, still with room to grow upon. And I think that's what makes all of this really fun. And it's going to make for a fun summer uh, for all of us and our other friends like Scott and like Shuban to, to be talking about and discussing on the regular um, because that's what we do. We, we get together with our friends and we talk Spurs. And we're, we're glad that, uh, that all of you listeners, new and old, uh, are, are along for the ride with us. And it has been fun, a fun season to, to kind of, sit here today and, and recap and it all boiled down to just needing a point at Norwich. How, how much sweeter could that have been? Right. It's kind of great. So glorious. Uh, Caroline can be followed at CG Stefco. Todd is at TC underscore Cashew. Dakota, you are at Dakota J booth and I am at a Stetka. You can follow us at Tottenham Depot, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Keep an eye on all those things. We're going to be ramping them up through the summer, pushing out some content. We'll, we'll try and get some, some other videos out, uh, YouTube, all that kind of stuff. We're, we're working on stuff. We're, we're building, we're growing. And with your help spreading the word, leaving us ratings and reviews, uh, we can we can do even more. So uh, be sure to follow along as we continue throughout this, uh, this Tottenham journey as we go on throughout the summer. Uh, until next week, as always, come on you Spurs. Thank you so much for stopping by the Tottenham Depot. Thanks to Scott Bird for our intro music, as well as the tunes you are hearing right now. Thanks to Dakota Booth for our artwork. Thank you as well to our spouses who put up with our obsession with this football club and for all that they do. And thanks to you, the listener, who really makes this happen. Supporters make this club, and you, the listener, are what make this podcast possible. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tottenham Depot, and as always, come on, you Spurs. <laughs>